Well, he is holy tonight. Amen. Well, I have a little test question for you. I wonder how closely you paid attention in 2017. But four of our evangelists that preached throughout the last year, and we really didn't have a whole lot more than four, but the four that I'm thinking of, Brother Coley Reese, Brother Patrick Harvey, Brother Joe Campatella, and then Sunday night, Brother Marshall Clack, they all preached at least one message that had one central theme to it in each and every one of them, and they had no idea what anyone else had preached. Did anybody pick up on that besides me? Maybe one or two of you. All of them preached at least once that we should open up our mouth and cry out to God. And they approached it from different directions, but I think we should be obedient to the preached word and just take a few seconds and open up our mouth. I don't mean you have to scream, but just open up your mouth and just give God a hallelujah. Can we do that right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Praise God. Welcome to a brand new year. I believe that it's going to be a great one. Revelations 21 and 5. If you have your Bibles, Revelation 21 and 5. We'll read one scripture and then I'll allow you to be seated. By the way, it's also not a coincidence that Brother Clack and myself preached in very similar messages on Sunday. Did anyone else notice that? We didn't collude. There was no collusion. Uh, we don't need to get the FBI investigating or anything. It was just, uh, just the way the Lord set it up. Aren't you glad when God sets things up and, and he does it just right? Revelation 21.5, if you have that, say amen. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And since we're establishing patterns tonight, uh, I'll remind you that it was just last Wednesday that we looked at Habakkuk chapter 2, where God instructed the prophet to write it down in a book. And uh, I think the Lord might be trying to deal with some of us that we need to write some of these prophecies down. We need to write some of these promises down so that we can go back and say, thank you, Jesus, when it comes to pass. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your touch tonight. We know that you make all things new. We know that you are the great creator. You are the savior. You're the sustainer. And we give you praise and give you glory. And everyone said in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm teaching tonight from this subject all things new, all things new. Can you say that with me? All things new. And I'll take you to the next slide, and we're going to look at several scriptures together. I want to look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, because we're looking really at the subject of heaven. That's really uh, the theme tonight, and 
I believe that when you're heavenly minded and when you are thinking of heaven, that you are actually more prepared to deal with this world than when you are earthly minded. It's easier to be earthly minded than heavenly minded, though, because there are cares in this world, right? We have to work. We have to make a living. Uh, we have to feed the dog. We have to prepare food. All of the things that we have to do that are earthly things, they're not all evil. They're not all bad. Some of them are good things. But if we're not careful, they will sap us of our ability to be heavenly minded. And we've got to be heavenly minded in this new year. And Colossians 3 talks about this and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Someone said above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so when we set our affection on things above, we have a heavenly perspective. And when we have a heavenly perspective, it changes the way we view what we're going through in this world. You know, I, I've preached this many times, and I don't want to overdo it, uh, but I, I think often about the martyrs in the early church. You know, it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the early church. And it's, by the way, it's still not easy to be a Christian in most parts of the world. We're very blessed here in the United States that we are able to be Christians without persecution, without fearing for our lives, without fearing that our livelihoods will be taken away. You know, there's more than one way to persecute somebody. You don't have to throw them to lions. You don't have to burn them at a stake. There's a lot of things you can do. You can just start threatening their livelihoods, and you'll see a lot of Christians suddenly be uncertain whether or not they're a Christian. That's how persecution goes. And in many parts of the world, it's very, very difficult to be a Christian. But we're very blessed here that we're able to freely worship the Lord. And, uh, and, and we really should not take that for granted. And when you have, but it, for those that have had to undergo persecution, uh, they were able to sustain themselves because they had a hope that was beyond this world. Their, their affection was not set on getting a raise at their job. Their affection wasn't set on their career or a promotion. You know, there's some people that would lose out with God in America if, if they thought that their faith was going to keep them from a promotion on the job. That's someone who can't really handle the kind of persecution the early church went through. That's someone whose affections are set on the things of this world. But that's why the songwriters used to write lines like, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. That's, that's a heavenly mindset. That's a mindset that says, no matter what, whatever happens to me in this world, I want to make it to heaven. Whatever happens here, I, I, now I'd like things to be good. I'd like things to be great. I'd like to not have to go through a trial. But if I have to go through a trial, I understand it's going to be better by and by. If I have to walk through a furnace, I understand that I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the hope of heaven. And it changes your mentality. When heaven is on your mind, when heaven is a part of your daily thought process, and I worry about the modern church. I don't think we uh, look forward to heaven like we should. And here's what many people often say. How many have heard the expression, well, you can be so heavenly minded that you're of no 
earthly good. Anybody ever heard that before? So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I, I, I like to flip that around to people. I think most people are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. <laughs> I really think that's what really winds up happen, happening. People become so earthly minded that they can't be spiritual at all. Now listen, we, we have to balance the two. But I, I, think, I heard an illustration recently, and I'm going to share it with you. I really like it. Uh, he talked about how uh, actually it's very freeing to have a heavenly hope. And I want to take you to the next slide, and I want to look at Colossians 1 and 4. This is what Paul said. He said, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which he have to all the saints. Everyone said love. To all the saints. All right, it got quiet there. Verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So Paul is directly connecting their hope of heaven with their love for all the saints. Did you know that when you have a hope of glory, it frees you to have a radical love that changes lives? When you have a hope for a genuine hope of heaven, when you, when you know that you know that you're going there, when you know that that is, that that is your future and you have a made up mind, it changes the way you can love people and approach people. It changes the way you think about people. It changes the way you view the world. And these saints were, were so transformed by the power of the gospel that they were free to love radically. They had a radical love for people. And so for those that say, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. I, the illustration I heard recently was if two people are in an airplane and uh, now y'all know I have jumped out of an airplane, right? Praise the Lord. My wife and I jumped right out of that thing, and it was a lot of fun. But we both had parachutes, so that's kind of a key, uh, that's kind of a key detail, isn't it? It's a whole other story if you jump out of an airplane without a parachute. So if you have two people that are uh, in an airplane, and neither one of them has a parachute, and one of them falls out of the plane. <laughs> Some of y'all just turned green when I said that, but. One of them falls out of the plane, and the other person that's still in the plane doesn't have a parachute. There's really no chance that they're going to jump out of the plane and try to help that person, is there? Because it doesn't do them any good for them both to die, does it? But if there's two people in an airplane, one of them has a parachute and one of them doesn't, and one of them falls out of the plane, the one who doesn't have a parachute, the other person, you, who has a hope of glory... You might just be willing to do one of those stunts, like a stuntman, you know what I mean, where you jump out of the plane and you fall a thousand miles an hour and then you reach down, you grab the person, then you pull your parachute and you're a hero for the rest of your life. There's a <laughs> pastor that said, no, I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> so the hope of glory, see here, that, that's really what it is. When, when you're a child of God, when you're saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost and you're on your way to heaven, you have a heavenly parachute, and so you're willing to take risks to help people. You're willing to reach out to people, and you're willing to have a radical love. You know, the thing about love that nobody really ever talks about is when you love someone, you become what? You become vulnerable. Did you know that? Love makes you vulnerable. And so here's what most people do. They withhold love because they don't want to be vulnerable. 
Does that mean that they're mean and nasty? No, sometimes they even put on a facade of being a nice person, but they don't really love people. Did you know you can be nice to people and not love them? See, the world has such a fickle view of love. They, the world defines love as sexuality or, or manners or being nice or just being a, a, you know, someone who says nice things. But that's not, all of those things are just surface. Love goes far beyond all of that. Love, make, real love, makes you vulnerable. Because when you really love someone, that person can hurt you. And so what many people do, and God forbid that Christians would do it, many people, they close themselves off and they don't really love radically the way Jesus did because they don't want to be hurt. But when you have the hope of glory, you just love everybody like Jesus loves people because you understand in the end, it doesn't matter if I get hurt or not, I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm, if I've got to jump out of the plane a thousand miles an hour and catch them so that I can help save them and get them to heaven too, I'll do whatever I've got to do because I want to see people experience the love that I have experienced, a love that comes straight from God that only God can give. How many, how many can, can testify with a raised hand that the love of God transformed your life? The love of God is life-transforming. And so when we've experienced that, we should want others to experience it as well. All right, I'll take you to the next slide. I promise I'm not going to teach all night. Uh, don't get too afraid when you see this. But I do want to talk about four ways that God will make all things new in heaven. Everyone said heaven. heaven. Now, it's a new year, and uh, I'm, I'm purposely going into a theme of newness. And I was tempted, you know, most people will preach from... Uh, Revelation 21, and they'll quote that scripture, you know, he'll make all things new, and it's absolutely true. But what I hear a lot of preachers do is they preach that, but they don't preach it the way the text preaches it. So they jump into all kinds of other things. So, you know, I, I do believe that God can transform you in the new year. Uh, God can, uh, maybe you're wanting a new job. I believe God can do that for you. But that's not what Revelation 21 is talking about. Amen. Uh, maybe maybe you want to uh, improve something about your life, improve something about yourself in the new year. You have resolutions. How many have resolutions this year? How many have already broken them? Some of y'all. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he had written out a list of 21 resolutions for the new year. And he said, I already broke 19 of them. And I said, it's been like 12 hours. <laughs> How's that even possible? But that, that's what people do with resolution. Maybe you, maybe you want to improve yourself in some way. Maybe you want to get an education. Whatever it is, that's all great. I'm, I'm, I, I believe God cares about that. I believe God can help you with those things. I believe if you dedicate yourself to the Lord, if you're faithful to God, if you pray, if you surrender your will to his will, I believe that God will be invested in every one of those things that you desire for the new year. But those are not the things that Revelation 21 is talking about. Revelation is talking about heaven and the new world. And we're going to talk about that for just a minute. Let's look at 2 Peter 3 and 13 as we start talking about the four ways that God will make all things new. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Pastor, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think out loud in front of our church here. But I'd like to talk to you about whether or not Peter wrote this after Revelation or Revelation was first. Because I wonder if they both had a separate revelation or if Peter was working off of John the Revelator's revelation. Anyway, some of y'all can write that down and pray about that and think about it because I'd love to know. Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. How many understand that it's going to be a righteous place? When God starts this whole thing over and when God wraps this dirty old world up, it's going to be a place of righteousness. It's going to be a place of holiness. We're going to step into the holy of holies. We're going to step into the righteousness of God. And, and it's going to be a truly wonderful place. All right, I'm going to take you to the first one, the next slide. The four ways that God will make all things new in heaven. Number one. He will make all things spiritually and morally new. All things will be spiritually and morally new. Revelation 21, 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the New Jerusalem takes on the likeness of, an, of its inhabitants. So the new Jerusalem is going to be like the bride of Christ. How many know who the bride of Christ is? Point to yourself and say, that's me. I'm a part of the bride. Of, the church is the bride of Christ. And so we see that in heaven, uh, we are going to be, that is us, the church, are going to be prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We're going to be a pure bride. We're going to be a spotless bride. We're going to be washed whiter than snow. We're going to have pure garments. And all of this is figurative. All of this is metaphorical. But you understand what the word is trying to teach us is that we will be fully righteous. We will be fully holy in the presence of God. He will impart his glory to us. And now listen, in this world, we talk about holiness and sanctification. How many are thankful for holiness? You're thankful that you can be sanctified. Sanctification is a work. You continue. You're saved, and then you walk in sanctification. You walk in righteousness. You grow in righteousness. All of that is wonderful. We become more and more like Christ. That ought to be our goal. I hope that's, if you have a, a list of resolutions, I hope one of your resolutions is, I want to be more like Christ this year. I want to be more and more like Jesus this year. But here's the thing. In this world... You will never be 100% perfect. It's not going to happen. Now, God gives us grace, and we have, we have his righteousness imparted to our life, and, and we walk in that, but we stumble. I hope nobody here thinks that you're going to achieve some kind of perfection in this world. Does anybody, does anybody believe you're going to achieve some kind of absolute perfection in this world? It's not going to happen. We always struggle. That's what Paul talked about. He said, you know, I have this war in my members. I, my flesh is constantly fighting against the spirit inside of me, and, and my Holy Ghost and my flesh they're constantly duking it out they're constantly going to war with one another and sometimes I, I do the things that I want to do and sometimes I do things I don't even want to do and I, I wonder it sounds like how I feel sometimes I think uh, I ate that bluebell and I didn't even want to eat that bluebell you ever do that you just wake up and there's a whole no it doesn't happen to you whole carton of bluebell gone I don't even know who did the kids probably did it that's one of the great things about having young kids. You can blame everything on your kids, you know. 
The cereal's gone? Oh, the kids probably did that. It wasn't me at midnight, I promise. Some of y'all are so self-righteous. You should see your face right now, just judgmental and self-righteous. And so Paul talked about this struggle that we have in this world, and we're always going to have that struggle. Now, sometimes it gets better, and sometimes we're stronger, and, and you can achieve. I'm not one of these preachers who believes that, uh, you know, that you have to be beat up by sin all the time. You don't have to live in sin. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But you're going to have a struggle until the day the trumpet sounds or the day you're in the ground. You're going to struggle with that dirty old flesh. But when you get to heaven... You're going to, hallelujah, you're going to have a new spiritual dispensation. You're going to have a new righteousness. You're going to be spotless. You're not going to have this old flesh. You're not going to have this old sin nature that keeps trying to drag you down into the pits of hell. No, you're going to step into a new dimension with God. He's going to make all things new. How many are looking forward to the day that you don't have to wrestle with temptation any longer? How many are looking forward to the day that you don't have to battle the devil any longer, but you step into the new earth? You step into heaven and you say, God, I am here and I thank you for making me new. Hallelujah. Revelation 21 and 9. Come hither, I will show thee the bride. Someone said the church. The church, the lamb's wife. Verse 11, having the glory of God. How many want to have the glory of God? The church will be imparted the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The church is going to be a city on a hill. It's literally going to shine with the glory of God. Remember Moses when he was in the presence of God and he saw God for just a moment and he began to glow and he couldn't handle it? How many remember that? Moses couldn't even handle it. He just glowed. And then when he came down from the mountain and he got down to where the people were, the people weren't even allowed to go up there. But he came down to them and he was shining with the Shekinah glory of God. And it was so powerful. It was so intense that the people fell down on their faces and hid their faces. They weren't even looking at God. They were just looking at the residue of God's glory. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get that revelation tonight. All they were seeing was the residue of God's glory on the man of God, and they couldn't even take it. But when the church gets to heaven, we're going to have the Shekinah glory of God from the top of our head to the sole of our resurrected feet. It's going to be a new creation. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a wonderful thing, and I look forward to that day. All right, the next slide. So we've already alluded to it. Number two, we're going to have physically... Uh, new bodies, and we're going to be physically made new. Revelation 21 and 4. And God shall wipe away. This is, by the way, one of the most encouraging, uplifting scriptures in the Bible. And I read it at a funeral today. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. For the former things are passed away. I love that scripture. Now, we could spend a long time, and it's just not my personality. I know that people, when it comes to revelation and prophecy and future things, I know that people love to speculate um, you know, what are we going to look like and, and all of that. And people like to weigh in uh, on issues that the Bible is silent about. If you know me, you know I, I really don't enjoy 
speculating on things that the Bible doesn't tell us. If you enjoy it, that's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I just don't enjoy it. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what we're going to look like. I really don't. I, I have some ideas maybe. There's some vague thing. God didn't spend a whole lot of time telling us what we're going to look like. He did spend a lot of time telling us what heaven was going to look like, though. <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful place. He gave us a lot of good details, but I, I, I really don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know. There's not going to be any crying there. There's not going to be any pain there. There's not going to be any death there. We're not going to have to battle cancer there. No, no, no. There's not going to be any babies with cancer in heaven. Someone ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There, there, there's not going to be any chronic pain where you wake up in the middle of the night crying. No, no. That's not going to happen in heaven. There, there's not going to be there's not going to be diabetes in heaven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's there's not going to be heart disease and heart attacks. There, there's not going to be any strokes in heaven. Hallelujah. It's going to be a place where we have a new body. We will be a new creation, truly a new creation in Christ Jesus. And, and the former things will be passed away. Hallelujah. And, and all of the things that plague us down here in this temporary world, those things will be gone. Somebody ought to lift up your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. We we have the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have to wonder how we're gonna pay our bills in heaven. No, we're not. No, no, there's and pastor said no taxes. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. There's not gonna be anything like that. It's going to be, it's going to be new. We will be new. And we're not going to suffer the way we suffer here. It's going to be the way God intended it to be in the beginning with Adam and Eve before Adam and Eve messed up. God's going to make it new. God's going to say, all right, uh, mankind messed it up in the beginning and we've been suffering from that. But if they'll just hold on and be faithful to me, I'm going to make it brand new for them. It's going to be the way I intended it to be in the beginning before sin came into the world and destroyed what I had begun. And so I'm looking forward to that day. All right, take you to the next slide. The third thing, Revelation 21 and 1. This is the new creation. Can we read this together out loud? Can you see that up there okay? Let's read it. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea, new heaven, new heaven and a new earth. So this is, you notice where it says there was no more sea. This is a dramatic climate change just because, you know, the world right now, three-fourths of it is covered in water. And so this is going to be a completely different climate. It's going to be a, a heavenly climate, a spiritual climate. I don't know if there will be air there. I don't know if we'll have any need to breathe like we do now. We just don't know a lot of these things. God, when we step into the spiritual dimension, uh, everything is going to be new. Everything is going to be different. So the entire universe as we know it will be destroyed. For 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13 shows us that. And then it will be replaced by a new creation that will last forever. This won't be a temporary creation. This won't be a destructible creation. This will be a new, everlasting, timeless creation. 
By the way, I'm looking forward to a world where there's no time. I just think that'll be a good thing. This is an Old Testament reality, and it's a New Testament reality as well. And, and I want to point something out to you. And, Pastor, you can correct me later. This is my opinion from my studies. It's not salvific. If I'm wrong, it's not going to affect anybody's salvation. But it seems to me that the, that the new Jerusalem that the Bible talks about will be uh, the capital city of heaven of sorts. That's, that's how my mind looks at it. It'll be the capital. And we, we see when you study the scripture that it will descend into this new creation. So what I believe is that God's going to wrap up this universe. God's going to wrap up this old world, and it's going to be gone. It won't even take him. All he has to do is just, boom, say the word, it's all gone. All the galaxies gone. And then he creates a new heaven and a new earth. But then the new Jerusalem, which I believe is already prepared. Anybody still with me? The new Jerusalem will then descend down into the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. Everybody okay? Uh, now listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, uh, God can ex explain it to me when we get there. So God has prepared a new Jerusalem. But then when this whole thing wraps up, he's going to take all of this out. And so this idea that we're going to go up, you know, the, that heaven's already somewhere in the galaxies. No, God's going to wipe these galaxies away and he's going to start this whole thing over. Because God is going to make all things new. How many believe that God is the great creator? He's the great sustainer. And by the way, he could have done this all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When, when, when Eve ate that forbidden fruit and then she handed it over to the husband, and the husband, like a lemming, just took it and said, okay. See, we're hard on the ladies. We're hard on Eve. But if Adam would have just been a man and done what he should have done, God might could have come in and worked all that. And he said, all right, honey. Yeah, so they both sinned, and, and God, in that moment, could have said, wiping it out. I'm making all things new. I'll just, I'll just God could have done it in that moment, but you know what? Brother Campatella preached this so beautifully, the, the day that Satan knew love. God loved you and me so much. God loved humans so much that God was willing to give all of us a second chance. God was willing to go ahead and give the prophecy that there would be a suffering Messiah that would come into the world, shed his own blood for the sins of all of mankind. And then, and then he would raise up a church, a kingdom that could not be shaken, a city set up on a hill. God said, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You can't follow me there right now now <laughs> but if you've seen me you've seen the father and i'm gonna be there in the new jerusalem getting things ready for you and then uh, one day i'm gonna come back for my pure bride and i'm gonna have a plan to take care of this whole world and then i'm gonna make all things new and you'll dwell with me there for all of eternity how many are looking forward to that day I'm looking forward to that day. Praise the Lord. All right. Take you to the next slide. I'm going to close with this one. This is the one I'm most excited about. We will have a new relationship with God. We will have a new relationship with God. Revelation 21.3. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle. Look at your neighbor and say the dwelling place. The tabernacle is the dwelling place of God. Is with God men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people 
And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Oh, I want to see him, the song says, and look upon his face. Hallelujah. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a new relationship with God, a new interaction. I'm thankful that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm looking forward to the day where I can sit at his feet. I can hear his voice audibly. I can look into his face. I can say, Lord, I just want to talk to you for a while. I'm going to be in the Shekinah glory of God. It's going to be a whole new dimension of relationship with God. We just get a foretaste of it in this world. We just get a, a, a little taste of it in this world. Think of the greatest church service you've ever been in. Think of the most powerful move of the Holy Ghost you've ever experienced in your entire life. Think back to the day that you first spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Think of the joy that you felt when you came up out of the waters of baptism. Think of the greatest moments that you've ever had in your relationship with God. Oh, how powerful it is and how wonderful it is. But can I tell you that when you get to heaven, it is going to be all of that times a million. You are going to step into the very presence of God. Ha <laughs> ha Oh, I want to see him stand with me to look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In this new year, I'm challenging us to have a heavenly mindset. Because when we really, really have our mind set on heaven, when we have our affections set on things above, it enables us to have a freedom in this world that we can't otherwise have. Let's lift up our hands. Lord, I'm thanking you right now for the hope of glory. I'm thanking you for heaven. I'm thankful that this world is not my home. I'm, I'm thankful that what I can see and taste and touch and feel, I'm, I'm so glad that's not all there is. I'm glad that there's something beyond this life. And God, I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice would make it to heaven. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would make it to heaven, that heaven would be their home. I give you praise. I give you glory. Let this new year be a year filled with hope for heaven. Let this be the year of resurrection and restoration. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. Could we just be like the angels in heaven? Could we just give God praise for a minute? Could you lift up your voice? Glory. Glory. Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lamb of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Open up your mouth. He is worthy. You are worthy, O oh God. You are worthy, O God. God, I'm not going to wait to heaven. I'm not going to wait to heaven to give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Turn to two or three people and tell them we're going to make it. We're going to make it.
Turn to someone else, tell them this is going to be a good year. We're going to make it. In Jesus' name, God bless you.